Hello and welcome to this week's GarageWire podcast with me, Mike Ruff, GarageWire Editor. This week, I'm really pleased to have Andy Savage join us to share his thoughts on the sector's current state of play. No doubt he'll be sharing some really insightful advice. Do stick around for that. First, though, I'd like to welcome GarageWire contributor Erin Phillips of Jackson & Phillips Automotive Services in Bedfordshire. Erin, it's great to have you on. How's business? Uh, business is good at the minute, thanks, Mike. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's certainly since the uh, since we returned after, after closing for a while, it certainly seems to be... Uh, pretty busy we've positive then yeah no absolutely now you've been sharing your experiences and industry opinions as a columnist on garage wire for several years now Um, but before we go any further could you perhaps give us a little bit of background about your garage because i've been down to your place and it's an impressive setup yeah um we're quite lucky actually we've got we've got quite a good uh, quite a good space um we've got plenty of room for you know parking cars and and, uh, we've got quite a bit of room in in the workshop as well so um basically jackson and phillips was started almost 50 years ago, it'll be 50 years on February the 14th next year. Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, my dad and Ron Phillips and uh, Dave Jackson, his partner, um, set the business up. Um, they they worked together for, for a few years and then decided to set up their own business. The yard initially um, was, um, they, they were just renting a, a, a workshop on, on the yard. Um, and it sort of has developed from there. They've they've always built the business on, on word of mouth and, and offering good customer service, um, and that seems to have, have served as well, like I said, for almost 50 years. Absolutely. Um, how, how big is the site? How many ramps employees? So um, we've got seven ramps, including um, an MOT ramp. We've got uh, a completely separate tyre bay, and I've got um, eight guys at the minute in the workshop and then four people work in sort of reception and uh, service advisor positions and then we've got an accountant and a cleaner. The pandemic has obviously forced a lot of change in your business and like so many other independents you and your staff have adapted extremely well but the lockdown was just the beginning wasn't it? The Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development last week warned that Britain's economy is likely to slump by 11.5% in 2020 and if we see a second peak in the pandemic, it could contract by as much as 14%. So what are you guys doing to protect against inevitable recession? Obviously, there's always a concern. However, we've been in this position before where, where um, recession strikes. And, well, I've always considered us to be lucky, but I guess we're doing something right because even when we've been faced with recession, it has not massively affected the business that we're doing. Obviously, there's an effect, and obviously people make decisions on the work that they're going to have done and how much money they're going to spend. But luckily for us, we've we've always managed to, to cope fairly well in the sort of four weeks since we've been back at work. Yeah. We sent out an initial um, bulk email to our customers to let them know that we were coming back to work um, so that we could you know, aim to have work to come back to. Or sure. We had the backlog to deal with, but we, we still wanted inquiries coming in and we still wanted work to, to, there for us when we, um, when we returned. And, and like I said, we've now subsequently then sent out another email um that one just advertising air conditioning services um and, and, and things like that so oh, interesting. we're planning on on keeping that going um at least on a monthly basis sending something out to our customers just to sort of remind them that we're here and and let them know you know the, the different services that we do carry out because you know obviously everyone knows we're we're a garage but not everybody knows all of the services that we offer so uh, trying to try to communicate that to our to our customer base with you. 
Now, what's been your experience in accessing government support schemes for businesses during the pandemic itself? I know you got your £25,000 grant fairly early on. We were quite lucky in that respect. Towards the beginning, I actually broke my leg just before oh. lockdown was announced. Although I was coming into work, I wasn't fully mobile. So I did spend, I did spend some time actually uh, looking into those sort of things, and especially once the um, once the news broke that it was going to be sort of a lockdown, and we'd, we'd taken the decision that we didn't think it was safe to stay open. Um, then my focus was on making sure that we made it through that. In all fairness, I think that the, the, the level of support that the government's offered, particularly in our case, has been excellent. Um, to, to offer to pay 80% of people's wages, I thought, was, was very good. You know, as I said, that, that certainly helped us. What about bounce-back loans? Is that something you applied for? Yes, we did, actually. Um, and the main reason for that was um, an issue with our furlough claim. And it was, it was more of an issue at our end than, than, the, than the, other, the government end. Had that come through when we were expecting it to, that wouldn't have been an issue. But um, obviously we, were, we paid our guys on, on a weekly basis. You know, you've got that money going out on a weekly basis and nothing coming in. We did apply for the, for the loan uh, in order to make sure that we still had you know, some money in the bank to come back to. Sure. So that's the, the, the bounce back loans accounted for. How were you planning to invest the £25,000? The, the main thing for that was obviously covering just our general outgoing before we actually took out the, the bounce back loan. We were uh, almost at a critical stage with our with the, with the, with the sort of mm-hmm. money, cash flow, yeah. money actually in the bank. So even though we'd had the £25,000, things like rent and, like I said, making sure that the guys were paid up to date so that they had money in their accounts and they could do their shopping and things like that. Soon chips away, yeah. As, as I said previously, it's quite a big site. It absorbs quite a lot of money, especially when there's nothing coming in. Would you? Yeah, no, of course. Um, the six-month MOT exemption then, big bone of contention. As we discussed in the last Guys Royal podcast episode, the Transport Secretary has no intention of ending it yet, but the trade bodies are continuing with their case for it to be ended, and I'm told good progress is being made. But whenever it does eventually get abolished, there'll be a lot of cars needing MOTs and repairs and servicing. How will you manage that demand at your place? Yeah, that is, is going to be tricky. I am personally still surprised that it is still running at the moment because every garage in town here uh, it, it is back open mm. um, so I can't see any difficulty in, in, in people really getting an MOT done we're all taking precautions to, to protect ourselves we're taking precautions to take, protect our customers so there, it, from my view there really isn't a good reason not to get the MOT done as for how we'll deal with the with the backlog where we're actually still sending out our MOT reminders um, as we would do and actually we've had several calls from customers saying oh thank you for the reminder but um, I don't need I don't need it because I've got the six month exemption purely having a conversation with them over the phone or responding to an email like that you know explaining to the customers that whenever it does get um, abolished there's going to be a lot of people wanting to get their MOT done in general over 90% of the people that you explain that to then take up the chance to have the MOT done. If we continue that, it should lessen the impact, but there is going to be a backlog. Uh, we currently have one MOT ramp, but we've got three MOT testers. One is a full-time tester, uh, and the other two are, are technicians who, who also MOT. But if it does get really busy, of potentially having uh, a few slots later on into the evening, two or three slots a couple of times a week where we'd open late to allow extra MOT slots to, to try and deal with the 
with a backlog. So I suppose you're in good stead, really, especially with three MOT testers. So you've got a bit of bit of room to play with there. It does give us, yes, exactly that. Yeah. What about the NHS Test and Trace Service? It's obviously a central part of the government's COVID-19 recovery strategy. And it's thanks to Test and Trace that the lockdown continues to be eased. In a nutshell, it means people identified as having been in close contact with someone who has a positive test must stay at home for up to 14 days, even if they don't have symptoms. It could put even more strain on independents trying to recover from the lockdown restrictions, though, because essentially it means garage staff may find themselves in isolation, again, potentially on more than one occasion. Is that a worry for you? Absolutely. Constant worry. Anything like that. And we're obviously concerned that, you know, if anybody here was exposed, we we potentially would have to close the place again. So, yes, it's, it's something that we're constantly concerned of. We do speak to the guys and, and, and make sure that everybody knows that, you know, this hasn't gone away. Everyone still needs to be careful, um, not just while they're at work, just in case they do pick something up and, and potentially bring it in here. As I say, it's a concern, but at the end of the day, if if that situation comes around, we've, we've got to follow the advice and... and um, do what we've got to do to, to deal with the spread of the disease. Now, we're running out of time, I'm afraid, Aaron, but is there anything else you wanted to share before I let you get back uh, to it? Just to, just to say, really, that I think, in general, the independent sector's in, in good shape at the moment. If we all pull together and look forwards and keep pressing on with when it comes back, pressing on with, with training and things like that, I think uh, I think the independent sector can come out of this strong. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Aaron. I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Great. Thanks, thanks Mike. If you've met this week's special guest, you'll know that it's no exaggeration to say his enthusiasm and passion for our industry is infectious. He's been involved with the automotive sector for 35 years, owned and managed hugely successful independent garages and picked up a number of accolades along the way. He was elected Fellow of the IMI in 2008 and served five years on the Independent Automotive Aftermarket Federation Board, its council member and vice president. He's now known as the Garage Inspector and inspires garage owners across the country, re-energising workshops with expert advice and business strategy. Andy Sava, welcome to the Garage World Podcast. Oh, you're making me feel very, very important. I'm happy to participate and hopefully uh, give your listeners uh, some insights. Let's start with Brunswick Garage. You opened the 14,000 square foot site in 2010 and achieved up to 20% year-on-year growth before selling in 2015. It's a real success story, isn't it? It was. It was quite revolutionary at the time, uh, what, we, what we were trying to, to do. And obviously very frightening. We were in the middle of, of, of then the biggest recession. You know, um, Obviously now we've hit different times. Um, so it was very difficult to raise money. But obviously, my uh, my passion and my strategy and the vision I had uh, to have a, a garage that really uh, went toe to toe with a, with a retailer, a, a franchise dealer, uh, worked. It, we opened up with, with um, um, you know fantastic facilities, as you are aware of, and yeah, we just grew and grew and grew. And um, I, I suppose I turned the tide when it comes to. The return on investment in terms of what your standard independent garage uh, had been doing, uh, especially the, the charge out rates that we were charging, which was you know unheard of at the time, and probably still is to be honest. Um, but it's all about perception of value and what you give to the end user. And and I can't I have to put on record now I cannot thank my team enough that I assembled because without them I would never have been able to achieve what we did. So very very grateful. 
and honour to, to have had that five, six years. You opened Brunswick while the UK was deep in recession, but it clearly worked out well. Ten years on and reports suggest that the UK economy could be about to plunge into the deepest recession in 300 years. What should garage owners be doing now to prepare for what's coming? What we've all got to remember is that luckily we're in a sector now where the motor car has shown its importance. It's also given a time for garage owners to show leadership, which has been something that I think has been lacking uh, for a while, um, for many years in our sector, and they've really stepped up to the plate by renovating their premises, refurbishing their workshops and reception areas, making them more welcoming and more inspiring for consumers to come into the local garage. A lot of the garage owners, obviously, in the sector have tapped into the fantastic help that's been offered by the government, right? Some have had troubles with local authorities when it came to the the uh, business rate grants that are available. That, that was, for me, a confusion uh, to do with planning law. But most, most of these uh, situations have been, have been um, resolved. And I think the main thing for me to, to give everyone hope is that I, I said at the beginning of this, this start of this pandemic and, and, and financial state that we're in back in sort of March, April, I said that I can't see a huge demand happening for a very, very long time. Luckily and thankfully, I think I'm going to be wrong because from the garage customers that I've been speaking to and I've stayed in contact with, business now is quite buoyant and I think the preparations that they've all put into place um, in the lockdown period has actually helped them reflect on their businesses Whereas before, they've never had time, Mike, to actually step back from their business because it's firefighting every day. You know, what they need to do is stay positive, connect with their local community, market themselves locally. You know, I want them to be the apple, uh, you know, of their area. You're not going to be global brands, but they need to get out into the community. And a lot of them have done that. You know, they've reached out. And I think they're laying the foundations for the independent sector to hopefully flourish in a way that we've never flourished before. And, and we're not out of the woods, obviously. There is hardship, I think, to come. It's quarter week for rent. And the next quarter is going to be crucial for those that are paying rents because they haven't had a proper income for three or four months. After some difficulty, a lot of garages are now starting to get their grants through and, and bounce back loans come through. What should they be doing with that money now to ensure that they can make it through this next period of hardship? Well, cash flow is king, so they've got to be very disciplined with their money. You know, every penny needs to be accounted for, and it's also a time to maybe invest a little bit of money back into their business, into maybe services that they've never been able to offer before. But cash flow is king, so they've got to be, yes, you've tapped into this money, but it's not a bottomless pit, you know, it's not the government haven't kept, they're not going to keep the tap open forever. So it's key to understand your financials, is to understand the key performance indicators that, are, that work for a garage and make sure that you stay uh, communicated with your, your bank and also get your accounting involved in a way that you've never done before to help you with cash flow forecasts, spreadsheets that you may have not used before. And I think that's going to be critical and essential. Um, it Present garages are obviously trying to, the other storm they're trying to weather is a six-month MOT exemption. How do we get customers into the workshop for testing, repairs and servicing at the moment? And how can we manage the demand once the exemption is lifted? 
Okay, so I'm going to go against the grain to what most um, of other commentators have, have been saying about the six-month extension, and I've taken a slightly different tactic on it. Right at the outset, right at the beginning, I've actually encouraged garage owners to speak to each and every one of their customers on their database that is in this six-month expansion. And just have the chat and say to them, you know, are you confident that your car is roadworthy? Are you aware that if you do, if you are involved in an accident, you know, you could potentially be uh, uninsured, yeah, if you're driving around with a car that's un unroadworthy. And if you've got existing customers on the database, you can very quickly go into their history and see the type of repairs that you've done over the last year. Now, encouraging people to have this, this attitude um, and be direct with consumers, what I first saw in the initial uh, two or three weeks was a, a take-up of just under 40% of customers actually not accepting the extension, Mike, right? So four out of 10 customers were actually willing to have their MOTs done at the exact time that they were due. Now, since then, roll on six, seven weeks on, that's gone up to nearly 70%. So that's quite huge, isn't it? That's like two-thirds of the, the garage customers that I'm dealing with have had that kind of strike rate simply by just picking up the phone. You have a relationship with your consumer, your customer already and just having the conversation. And if they still want the extension, then they're allowed to have it. So I think it won't be as bad as we first thought, you know, come September October where it's going to be a, a huge a huge increase. Of course, there will be a huge increase, but I've been I've been quite uh, pleased with the reaction of vehicle owners and also the positiveness and the proactiveness of, of garages taking up this, this sensible approach. The other concern at the moment is further business disruption as a result of NHS Test and Trace. What's your advice here for garage owners that may find one, perhaps more, of their staff self-isolating? This is going to happen naturally. Uh, Mike, there's something that we can't, um, won't get, be able to get away with. The only thing I can say to them is that, listen, all, everyone's made such an effort uh, to implement social distancing uh, practices and put things up in their receptions and workshops that hopefully the common working practices are taken home and they're duplicated in your living experiences, right? To limit the chances of getting exposed to someone who maybe has had the coronavirus. But regrettably, and probably what will happen as the economy and as shops reopen, the risk will become slightly higher. And, and the problem we have is that if you have a technician, for example, coming off uh, and having to isolate for 14 days, that's a huge amount of income that you cannot generate productivity-wise in a workshop. So you, everyone's going to have to deal with it and adapt. And it might be that you have extended opening hours for those periods, and it might be that you have to open the weekends to cover that, that time period. I think the, I'm not sure about the legalities of how, um, how that person gets paid. I think from what I've read and seen, they go on to statutory sick pay. That's my understanding, yes. You know, for that period. The worry is is whether other members of the workshop team could be affected and then you have a complete shutdown again. That, that's a huge worry. But hopefully, if good habits are put into place, 
and everything that we hear, the guidance from the, you know, the, the, the experts, you know, the scientists and the medical officers, you know, wash your hands, keep your distance, wear a mask if you have to, if you feel you have to, um, you know, make sure that you, you follow those guidelines. The risk will be very, very minimal. But undoubtedly, Mike, we live in, a, in an environment where we have movement, we have people, um, and it will, you know, there will be businesses and garages that will be affected. Now I was going to ask you for some good news or hope, but in your usual manner, you've already managed to find those in those challenges which we've just discussed. But what else can we cling on to at the moment whilst we tackle these challenges? Wow. Um, yes, obviously the importance of the motor car. Yeah, the, the sort of feedback I'm getting from the garage customers that I have, and I've got you know quite a few of them now on, on my on my books, is that everyone. Most of them have reached out to their local community to connect with their local community in various formats, right, which I've encouraged. And I think that's exposed them and elevated them, their, their brand and their own garage in a way that is, that's, that's never happened before, right? So for me, that's a real positive. And the other positive is for once, the opportunity has come where you can stand back, look at your premises and do something about you know, that you've, something that you've always dreamt about doing, but now you've had the time to do it. So for me, these are two positives. And obviously, you know, the, the, traveling, I mean, look, I live in, I live in, in North London. It's very populated, very, you know, we're like chimney pots here. You know, traffic is, is practically gone back to normal levels. You know, people are going to be using their cars more than they're going to maybe be using the trains or the buses. So for me, all I can see mid to long term is positive, positive news for the independent garage sector. The key is, though, is to keep these customers happy, make sure that we communicate properly with them, be passionate and show off our new premises and investments that we're making. There's a sea change towards investment and technology and um, also people. So um, there will be those that close. We're not going to, not every business will survive. And I think the next six months, um, there could be an opportunity for garages to pick up staff members from other garages that have closed. If, if technicians and service personnel are in garages that eventually close, I think they should be quite buoyant and not too worried about getting jobs elsewhere because there'll be a massive take up on these people. Now, whenever I see you out and about, Andy, you're proudly wearing an embroidered shirt donning the Schaeffler, Phillips and Varta brands. Could you briefly tell us something about each of these and why you're willing to put your name to them? Yes, um, you know, it's, um, it's a very privileged and honoured position to be able to use uh, those three brands that you've mentioned because within their own sector, they are giants. You know, Schaeffler uh, with their LUK inner and, and FAG bearings and LUK clutches, you know, number one in the world. Um, Philips Automotive, Huge. I mean, we, we've all we've all probably got something made of Philips at home. In the automotive lighting world, they're massive. You know, they're the originators of the the halogen bulb, the headlamp bulb. They're always at the forefront of um, automotive lighting. And what can I say about Vata batteries? You know, the the, the biggest man automotive vehicle manufacturer of batteries in the world. And I think eight out of ten batteries that that are AGM that get fitted in Europe are theirs. So for me to be able to be endorsed um, by these brands is huge. Why do I partner up with them? I partner up with them because the latter part of my career, as you know, I've always endorsed using 
and sticking with tier one original equipment parts and nothing else. Speaking of Schaeffler, the rep experts have been visiting garages across the country in the last few weeks, delivering free back-on-track packs. Now, these include social distancing stickers, PPE and posters, among other things. And they've been going down a storm, haven't they? Oh my God, what, what, what a fantastic initiative, eh? I'll I, I tell you what, when, when, um, when, it was first, um, when we first discussed what, you know, what they were doing, I thought, what a brilliant idea. And, um, you know, it was, it's not a small cost, by the way to put those packs together and be able to use their expertise with their partners worldwide to get these packs together. And they've delivered thousands of these packs um, and posters. And I think it's an absolutely wonderful, wonderful gesture. And this just shows you when you're dealing with someone as powerful and as prominent as Schaeffler, an OE brand, what they can tap into at time of need. And it's been very, very well appreciated by hundreds of garage owners around the country and you know they, they've had their, their own issues you know with people being furloughed and and whatever else so everyone that's been involved at top end middle bottom have have really put a massive effort in, in into helping the independent sector i'm really glad that you've you've actually brought it up because i think it's a very very important point uh, i couldn't agree more excellent work from the rep experts now you've kept yourself busy over lockdown with a series of really informative videos for garage owners with topics including business plans marketing and communication all of which by the way are available to see on the garage wire website for anyone who hasn't yet seen these and they really are worth a watch but what's your plans andy for your business training courses because you've obviously had to put these on hold for now yes they have obviously because i'm i'm reliant on hotels and venues as you know and uh I remember you attending my one of my ones in Shrewsbury, I think it was, about 18 months ago. I, I was a little bit worried, like everyone else. I'm not immune to, to COVID in terms of business. Um, but to be honest with you, I've been inundated with people asking me about when I'm going to restart. Now, I'm hopeful that my dates from September, uh, beginning of September in Newcastle, then Chester, mid-September, I think October, I'm in Cardiff, and November in Lincoln, I'm hoping that those courses will, will still stay and continue. And then what I'm hoping to do is where I've cancelled April to June's courses, I will rebook them in towards the end of the year too. I'm sure you'll have them queuing up for your courses, Andy. They're really, really worthwhile going. And uh, anyone that's that's already been will, uh, will agree. Um, Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for making the time to talk to us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Oh, as always, thank you very much for having me on and uh, good luck to everyone and I uh, hope you're all well. Thank you very much. That's it for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Garage Wild podcast on your podcast player and why not give us a rate and review. For further information about everything we've discussed today, head to garagewild.co.uk and you can get in touch with me by emailing michael.ruff at garagewild.co.uk. Thanks so much for listening. Join us again for the next episode in a couple of weeks.